Hercule Poirot, Sherlock Holmes, and especially you, Miss Marple. As far as I know, none of you ever solved the crime of the mass murdering actor. James T. Kirk is officially the universe's greatest detective, and I am excited as fuck. Hello there, Emily. How are you? I am so excellent on this day. This beautiful day when we're going to be discussing the conscience of the king. That's right. It's one of my very favorite episodes of TOS. It is such a delight. I do not I do not think I can get onto the register that I squealed when <laughs> at the very beginning I realized how quickly we were getting to the point that oh, this guy's a mass murderer. And then mm-hmm. like the reveal of the guy turning and to whom he <laughs> And one of my most insane in the brain moments where I was just like, why did I have this thought? The guy turned and I looked, I'm like, oh my God, they got William Shatner to guess at this guy. I'm like, no, wait a minute. That's William Shatner. And I realized this guy His looks hair like. looks the same. He looks, he looks like, like. Yeah. William it, Shatner. He looks like William Shatner's yes. brother. He looks like he's in between William Shatner from here and like the, like somewhere between here and the movies. And I was like, this is like an unhinged moment. And then the reveal where he had half of his face gone, I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. We're already starting here. Like, how do you know I was there? Like, oh shit. Oh shit. I know we just jumped into the cold open right away, but like, but yes. I had to just talk about that because that's yes. where we started. It's like the excitement in 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 in, in the beginning of Face Off when you realize mm-hmm. that oh, this begins with John Travolta's son being snipered on a carousel because they're trying to kill him at the beginning of the film, and it's just wow. like wait, so we're it, this is where we're beginning, and like okay, so anything can happen. When this started like this, wait, I'm like, what oh, anything movie can is happen. that? Face Off. Face Off. At the beginning of Face Off, yes. the kid gets sniped. Like during like the setup, like <gasps> credits and stuff. This yeah, movie. and that it, it shows wild. you every moment of Nicolas Cage setting up his sniper rifle, untaking oh, it, like out of the bike, setting it up, shit. aiming, Nick. and then pew, and then it's like, Nick. yeah, it was wild. So then the idea of him taking each other's faces is even more personal because like yeah. I he have the face son. of the person who killed my son. Yes. And this is what this guy is. This actor has the face of the people that murdered my family. And like, I swear it's him. They swear it's him, but is it? I swear it's him. Can it be? That's right. Uh, It's The Conscience of the King. It is written by Barry Trivers. Kind of. 
Kind of. Kind of. Okay. Kind of. We'll start with that story. Um, it was directed by Gerd Oswald, who was an actor in Germany who fled from, that's right, Kodos the Executioner. I mean, Hitler. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I thought about <laughs> opening up with with they never caught space hitler but i didn't know if i, did, I didn't know if i want to get to the hit rilavia like too close like we'll say mess but like no it basically the atrocities that are yeah, set up are implied like eugenics and everything i'm like it's, oh yeah 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 yeah. Hitler. this is hitler mm. this is hitler in space yeah they're doing a they're doing a hitler they're doing a holocaust that was i, I mean we've uh, got to talk about it now but that was the other reveal when i was like yes. oh my god this is literally like what if what if hitler escaped and became like charlie chaplin and someone's watching a charlie chaplin and i'm like hey that guy looks strangely yeah. like that that Mr. Hitler guy. Uh, I need to investigate this. Um, this was... Uh, oh, he also... Uh, the other thing about Gerd Oswald is that he directed the most Outer Limits episodes out of any director. 14 episodes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Again. he basically was an actor in Germany, came to America, and, and started a career behind the camera. Yet another um, Outer Limits connection that is mm-hmm. sparse throughout all of Star Trek. Exactly. So this was uh, originally, this was the 13th episode to be produced. It is Janice Rand's final episode that she was shot in. I think we see her in one more episode that uh, just because of the release schedule versus Mm -hmm. production schedule. Um, And this was, I think, the first episode that producer Gene L. Kuhn and Stephen W. Carabazzos worked on two new producers so that poor Justman, poor Bob Justman, doesn't fucking die, isn't just consumed by Gene Roddenberry so that Gene Roddenberry doesn't literally rip this poor man's head off and then drink his blood and then do the same to the creepy casting director who... I saw an interview with him, um, and he just looks and sounds so much less creepy than I was imagining in my head. And also, in the book that I'm listening to, uh, These Are the Voyages, mm-hmm. the, the first TOS, whenever Gene Goon is talking, he talks like this. He has this New York sort of scumbag accent, and he sounds old and kind of gravelly. But actually, he he doesn't sound like that at all. He has a very light New York accent. Like, <laughs> um, so these are the things that I learned. So, the conscience of the king. Let's talk about it. The first story outline was finished by Barry Trivers on the fifth of April in nineteen sixty six. The final uh, script was completed by Gene Alcune. Uh, September 22nd of 1966. That's right! One day after they finished filming the episode. Oh my god. How does that work? Okay, so it started with Barry Trivers. And Trivers was like... he's He, he had done a lot of this. He's a science fiction author. And he's one of like the last sort of people... This is of the the of this episode of the last group of episodes that happened before Star Trek came out. And again, Roddenberry just doesn't know how to work with these authors. He cannot get a good script out of them. He is constantly asking for rewrites and it's like, "Well, what the fuck is the problem?" John DF Black about Barry Trivers is like, 
maybe Trivers, though, was, like, more really into the WGA than he was writing, at least this episode. Oh, interesting. But, in general, um, this was just a problem that they continued to have, I think, because they didn't have a fucking writer's room. Yeah, And the way things were set up. So all of these different authors are, like, trying to write these very specific characters without ever having seen these characters. Um, Fucking Roddenberry's writing, like, 12-page-long notes and trying to be like, oh, well, uh, you wrote a really good script, which is why I gave you 12 pages of notes. Because I could have written, like, one page on a bad script to just be like, this is bad. But I really respect you. And that's why I want you to do yet more free work for me. Um, <laughs> and just like, oh, and this is something I forgot yesterday. Like, shit like that, you know? And so they get the outline out to the point where it was basically finished starting in August. It was started in April. But starting in August, it was revised by Karabatsas in Jean L. Kuhn. Um, and it was the first ones that they worked on. And then finally, those final pages came in uh, the 22nd of September for some extra captain's logs, etc. But it needed okay. a page one rewrite, essentially, from where it started. So this, of course, is the, the Holocaust allegory episode. Yes. Um, it's wonderful. It is set 20 years after uh, this horrible event has occurred. Which happens to be uh, the 20 years previously in the real world were the Nuremberg Trials. Yeah, I was going to say, I just did the math. I was talking about that. I'm like, wait, 66, oh, yep, that is just, they are doing a contemporary take, much like uh, I know they address race and stuff in in other Mm -hmm. episodes, not so much what we've had now. Speciesism's a bit, um, but not within, you know, the way that we understand it. So, yeah, when I realized that this was layered on it, but also, like, it's a murder mystery, I had the most inappropriate reaction, which is (gasps) to howl at laughter and and just be, like, completely into every single reveal in this because it's a good murder mystery. It's a really good murder mystery. And And that's the thing that's so amazing to me. Hearing about this wild-ass writing process... Where they are redoing this story like five separate times, like with four separate people. And I mean, maybe not four, but and it turns out so tight. Yep. It and just the it starts this is a good oh, mystery. It was one of those things where I would have I would have expected this person to come out of the writing pool of like the police story area where it was more about like Mm -hmm. a crime drama or a legal thriller. Because when you're talking Mm -hmm. about people with different backgrounds, he had political thrillers, he had hard sci-fi, he had cosmic horror, he had all these Mm -hmm. different types of people who were just throwing, you know, shit in. And yeah, as you said, got really good stories, but didn't have coherent characterization yet because no one knew who it was. Um, the fact that it just has a really good structured layer where I just started even taking elements out of this and thought, what if this was just, let's lower the stakes. Like the the mm-hmm. stakes just because they're there right away. And we don't talk that much about like the horrors get talked about, but they're talked about very much as like quick facts. That's not, it's, yeah. it's something where it, it's much more about in graphic details yes. of horror. It's much more about just the actual mystery of, is this, one renowned actor also a a person who ordered the execution of what 4,000 yes people 
just wild. Just wild. Um, so before we get into sort of the earlier versions of this, why don't we get started? Let's do it. We open with a knife. That's right. Oh. We're close up on a knife and it stabs down at a sleeping old man. And then it comes up and it's covered in blood and there's a man's hands and it's, they're covered in blood and he turns. That's right. We're watching Macbeth. And I wonder how many people wondered if they had tuned into the wrong channel to begin with. And they're like, where's the Star Trek? Why is the Shakespearean play? Did they change it? And I didn't know. Like, what's going on here? Many did. And then went on to watch uh, My Three Sons. Uh, which then had a future where one of the sons murdered their own father. Oh, wait, no. That's yes. a different story. Ha. Um. We're joined. Uh, we're joining Captain Kirk as he is watching Macbeth with his old colleague. Uh, Kirk turns. He's like, "What an interesting Arcturian Macbeth. What does that mean? I don't know. Is that something real or is that just sci-fi words, Missy?" Um, I'm guessing that Arcturian is like the culture or species of like people. I assumed it was like a traveling troop of people from that planet that go around and do it and i i sort of just assumed kirk was just fascinated on being like oh another culture's take on the, the play even though they're all humanoids like there's nothing yeah. distinguished about them from it well we, yeah okay. so it's just one so of those Arcturian things where, isn't a theater word the only other thing i could think of is if they meant arturian is in like a king arthur layering of it but that's nothing in right? the script or anything else that and, and there's nothing that i found when i looked it up so i'm assuming it is just from this okay <clears throat> he's like oh, i'm an interesting arcturian macbeth <laughs> uh but thomas layton dr thomas layton his buddy leans in and he's like watch him watch the man playing macbeth uh and he's all like can all this disease that neptune has wash my hands clean of all this blood like you know he's doing his whole macbeth mm -hmm. thing and he's like listen to his voice that is him kodos the executioner dun 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 um so space the final frontier we open on an accusation that a man who is playing macbeth is actually kodos the executioner and honestly that's all you need to know about kodos the executioner his name is kodos the executioner a full full image forms in your head if we want to talk about your inciting incident also being your exposition, this is a masterful piece of it being done because yeah. you get both what's the background. This guy's a mass murderer, you know, because I told you and his name. And also he he's he's there in front of me. Oh, inciting incident yeah. and everything you need to know. Boom, bam. Yep. It just is like amazing. He's and it happened acting now. so quickly. I was caught off guard where I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. We're mm -hmm. just starting here. Like, OK, let's do this. Is this guy yeah. this person? Exactly. Uh, so the captain's log lets us know that Dr. Layton told Kirk that the Enterprise needed to come out and check out this development of a new synthetic food, which could potentially end a famine, uh, which is interesting because a an issue with food was the issue that uh, precipitated the events of Kodos the Executioner. Um, but he's like, you've got to stop in. I have this new development and it's going to end a famine on on sigma minor a nearby colony um and 
yeah, like you mean to tell me all of that? Basically, like after we learn hear the captain's log, we hear Kirk then accusing Leighton of doing the thing he just said in his captain's log, which yeah. I thought was pretty funny. He's like, you mean to say that you told me to leave course because you developed a new synthetic. Like, okay. Um, was this one of the, uh, the final captain's logs that came in day after filming? I yeah. They it. just, they really wanted to like hammer it in being like, say what the, like, you ah. say, what you're going to say and then say it. Uh, but this was a ruse of course, to get Kirk in the ship to investigate the fact that, this actor might be Kodos the Executioner, and that Kodos the Executioner is still alive because Hitler, like, his body was never positively identified. He says 4,000 people were butchered. Um, and according to Martha, his wife, who's wonderful, she's just, like, there with him. She's like, he's been like this since he saw the actors. He's haunted by that bloody thing he did. And he turns slowly. And we see that he is a phantom of the opera mask. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Some terrible thing that happened to him during the time of Codus the Executioner. Um, so these two individuals, Leighton and uh, his wife, they're William Sargent and Natalie Norwick. They were married to each other at the time. Oh, yay. Yeah. Um. So Kirk, you know, is trying to figure out what's going on. Leighton swore that the lead actor was Kodos. Kirk is like, no. The official record said that he's dead. Yep. He's Case dead. closed. Nothing I don't do like thinking her. about this. Uh, I don't I don't like to think about it. But Leighton is like, no, I, I swear to God, this is Kodos. I will never forget his voice. And I've kind of invited the entire company over for cocktails. Oop. And so, so it's 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 like this wonderful thing where all right i've invited you all here <laughs> the moment within, <laughs> at the beginning of it and then you know get a note from from the person or whatever but yeah it is very much the the uh the excuse for it and uh, again another moment when i realized that b i, I was I, I, I this was the, i watching this was the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme of every single trope <gasps> from murder mysteries and just like thinking of this again as a as a th actual theater troupe like doing it in a theater rather than in a military space <laughs> you know ship it uh, with uh, people like that yeah it was just great yeah it it just fantastic so basically we're having a cocktail party to catch the conscience of the king yes but Kirk does not buy it. He's like, well, now I got to go up to my ship and do fucking paperwork where I tell where I come up with a way to say that you fucking lied to me and diverted a starship. Yeah. Without throwing you under the bus. But maybe I will because, dude, come on. But we're friends. So, like, I won't. But come on, man. <laughs> like, big paperwork, like, saddies here. It's, for, it's for the nemesis of every single person on Starfleet. Mm-hmm. So back on the Enterprise, uh, Kirk is all of us. Um, Facebook stalking our friends in the 2010s. Uh, he's supposed to be doing work, but he's procrastinating. He's chilling at his desk, and he's like, "So, a uh, computer. Um, so, Majel. I mean, Nurse Chap. I mean, computer, because uh, <laughs> that is Majel Barrett. Um, tell me about Kodos." 
tell me the story of Kodos, computer, and show me pictures of Kodos, and compare that with actor Kerwidian. Uh, and it's this great, like, two plus two thing that he's doing. It's so giggly, because he just does it step by step. And it, we get the computer voice, which I love every time, because mm-hmm. it's just a monotone talking like this. And this was the... I think the second time we hear Majel Barrett as the computer voice, and we hear it even more computery this time because Gene Roddenberry didn't want NBC to catch on that yet again he was giving his fucking girlfriend special treatment. Oh, of course. This was a secret affair, so he made sure to be like, um, make the actress's voice He was a secret with JFK and Marilyn. I know, right? Uh, so he always referred to her as the actress. It's like, yes. come on, dude. <laughs> come on. Stop making your friends uncomfortable. Divorce your wife. Come on. <laughs> so, of course, what always happens, not always, but with these with these hosting of murder mysteries, what sometimes mm-hmm. happens is when someone has a lead and they gather everyone in and it's not the detective who does it, that person is asking for a stabbing. That it, they're asking for a set stabbing. They're asking for a stabbing. Um, so we get the lowdown. Uh, about twenty years ago, there was a colony. There was a fungus that fucked up the food. They thought they were gonna all starve. There were about eight thousand colonists. Kodos, the executioner, took over, applied his sort of own like quote unquote like eugenic sea ideas mm-hmm. to kill 4000 of those people and then the ships with supplies arrived early so there never ended up being a food shortage at all um this horrible sort of holocaustine experience which was like a really big deal as a small kid like watching this and mm-hmm. being like oh my god kirk went through this yeah. In some capacity, uh, which was so interesting. It was such a sort of a different dimension to his character that really doesn't get seen in future series or sort of in the flanderized version of him. He really is a brooding guy because he watched like 4,000 people get murdered. Oh, and I'm sure, you know, we're seeing only how many of the missions that they've done. And so there's mm-hmm. also, I'm sure, other horrors that he's had to witness, you know, uh, within his own crew and, and elsewhere. So the other thing that the computer confirms for us at this moment is that Kodos uh, apparently died 20 years ago. There are no records of the Anton Caridian, the actor, from past 30 years, uh, 20 years ago. And that Caridian's daughter, Lenore, was born 19 years ago. So. And, and Lenore was uh, the Lady Macbeth yes. that we saw in the previous Macbeth scene. So he's just like, hmm, there was, show me a picture of old Kodos. Like, show me Anton Caridian. Like, hmm, hmm. Yeah, every little aspect of this keeps just pointing. It's like they're the same person. Like, we had a yeah. witness who said the same person. Like, they look like each other. Their histories don't line up. And also, I just laughed when yeah, it had the one photo pop up and the second photo. And it's like side by side. It was like boop, boop. And it was like, yeah, no, like they're clearly the same person. Like it's not yeah. even that close. Yeah. But like, Kirk is just torn apart. Yeah. Because he can't just like accuse someone of this horrible crime, you know? He needs to be sure. 
so then Spock interrupts him. He's like, we're ready to get the fuck out of here, Captain. Uh, we need to go to Benicia. Have you ever heard of a place called Benicia before, Missy? Uh, I haven't, but your your voice tone tells Maybe me Maybe it's because it's Benicia, California. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> they just pronounced it weird. Um, so I love that. So Spock's like, we're ready for orbit. And Kirk's like, actually, I want to stick around a minute. Like, I'm not. I'm not I'm not getting obsessed about anything, but I do have a cocktail party I want to go to. You've definitely seen that out of me, Spock. Uh me brooding Kirk, who has a work desk in my quarters. Um But Kirk loves a social party. He loves a social loves. engagement. He loves actors. We all know that. It's definitely a part oh, of the yeah. character that's been established. <laughs> Oh yeah. So he beams down to the cap to the surface and he's at Dr. Layton's party. Where in walks Lenore Peridian. That's right, our Lady Macbeth in a blue dress with one big sleeve and no other sleeve and silver tights. Does it look like it's a scarf pinned to her? Because it's a scarf pinned to her. Uh <laughs> I noticed all of these women's outfits. They were on point. I wanted every mm -hmm. single thing that they were wearing. It was so incredible. So she uh, has the record for the most costumes worn in a single episode by a single character. Oh, of course, because she, she plays six different ones. Yeah, she's yeah. an actress, and and she she's a, you know a, a socialite, so she would change her outfits for every occasion. Of course, of course. Uh, the actress uh, Barbara Anderson said that the most difficult part of the role uh, was making sure the costumes didn't fucking fall off because most of them were just pinned onto her. Of course. Like there were no fittings. There was none of that. They were just like slapping shit on her and being like, we got to get this filmed. Holy shit. <laughs> like death, death. So she walks in. And Kirk, you know, immediately on goes the charm. He's like, oh, I was hoping to meet your father. And she's all like, mm, he doesn't go to parties. He's the most unusual person, actually. Uh, he just does king shit. He doesn't attend parties. He's too cool for you. But this will not deter Kirk. He's going to get some information. And she is the closest uh, that he really has. Um. So he learns from her that they're going on to Benicia. They're taking the Astral Queen. Um, and Kirk's like, mm, I would really like to see you again. And she's like, oh, but I got to go to Benicia. And he's like, oh, well, maybe instead of waiting for another time, we just go on a walk. We just go on a walk. Why don't you tell me about... When you started acting or other information about your past that can help me establish an idea of who your father is. I mean, hi, pretty lady. The chemistry between the two of them here was bubbling. It was yes. so good. I really enjoyed seeing sextivigations of yes! it going in there. And he just like seduces her and gets her closer. <laughs> and I was literally like, are they actually going to go do something? Like, I can't literally. figure this out. This is like no. sparkling. Yeah, sparkling. They're just having, he's just flirting hardcore. It really does feel like the turned up version of how he was with Miri. Yeah. And where it's he's very nice. He's very mm -hmm. kind. But this one has a edge of, 
this person looks like an adult woman. Yes. Despite being 19 years old. Oh. Like, at, you know, they're of the, like, you know, she could be anywhere between like 19 and 30. She's actually 20. Um, the actress. Okay. Um, but yeah. And he's, he's like 31. It's, it's like whatever, but still. Uh, yeah, I. It'd be fucking weird. It, I, 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 yeah, it's the first time that I got, oh, this is why everyone thinks Kirk yeah. has BDE. This is the yeah. sparkly, because I've seen him very, very charming, but this is the first yeah. time I've actually seen him and I felt like sexualized by what was happening. It was, it was very body. It was so body yeah. for, for, uh, that primetime television. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's wild. So they're just like walking. They they're flirting. Uh they're about to fucking kiss. They are mm-hmm. about to kiss. He mm-hmm. has her in his arms when he looks up and sees a body in the sand. Oh my god. Oh no. Oh no. It's the dead body of Dr. Thomas Layton. Of course. That's what you do when you invite a murderer over. You invite a murder. You do. He's like, it's Dr. Thomas Layton and he's dead. Uh, Kirk brings the body back. Clearly, they're back in uh, John Layton's rooms with his wife. And his wife is like, at least he has peace now. He never had that before. Uh, and she's really fucking devastating. Yeah. She really sells it. And he is very brooding. Like, you can just feel like the wheels are turning in his head. And it's in that that sort of calculated grief. I'm not sure how to describe it, but it's yeah, something I know. in these brooding characters where it's like they're in grief, but they're not overwhelmed by it yeah. or motivated by it, but in the single-minded way. It's very Batman. Okay, yeah. It's yeah, I know what you're saying. It's hard to describe. It's it's not performative, but it is a mm-hmm. bit of going through the motions. And it's mm-hmm. it is that sort of thing where you're like, you are feeling something, but you just don't know how to express it. So you just yeah, sort of go like, through the motions because that's the only you thing need- you know what to do to figure out what happened yeah like you know so he's he's just you can see it behind his eyes um so kirk goes back up to his ship and makes a little phone call makes a little phone call to captain john bailey of the astral queen that's right he's like hey buddy uh will you do me a favor and not pick up those actors i'll pick them up don't worry and also if there's any trouble like, I'll take responsibility for it. Um, like, oh, like the 19-year-old that it now seems more like you're trying to groom and bang? Again, I was 31-year-old so... starship captain? That was the moment where the line between investigating <laughs> and sex blurred the most. Because I was like, okay, Kirk might want to do something with this. Because he's genuinely, like, interested in this girl. But also, like, them not leaving is good investigating like that is keeps them there and they can't go so it is like well uh, is he trying to have his cake and and fuck it too at this point i'm not sure it just it's so fuck i was just like oh my god the case against this man is just growing and growing like if if he was a youtuber like it would be done it would be the case would be closed he's a fucking groomer it would be like Uh, a columbo episode except they didn't show us him doing the murder at the beginning so that we knew it like it but it it, yeah and and i should also say at this point i was going through all the tropes and i was like okay maybe it's not him it's his twin 
maybe it is him, but he's not doing these murders. Maybe it's his daughter. Maybe it's why, like, we don't, we only have a small, like, there's only three people so far that could be our suspects, you know, unless it was someone on the crew that gets introduced later and they're the biggest guest star, like Law and Order, but that doesn't happen. And so it was running through all of it. And I did have in my head think, okay, maybe the daughter's doing it because she's so like enamored by mm-hmm. the, the dad maybe and maybe it's not like actually his daughter maybe it's just like you know a, a, a person they found that just was like loyal to her like i don't know where these people are a family like maybe that's also like you know uh, something going on there like i just didn't know but i, I yeah. did suspect that at some point she could be one of the people who did it so on the bridge Spock is like, all right, we're ready to fucking go. Kirk's like, no, I think we're ready for a pickup, actually. And Spock is like, excuse me, a pickup? When, but who calls? Uhura is like, excuse me, a Lenore Coridian is beaming up to the Enterprise to speak to you, Captain. And Kirk's all like cocky bastard, like. Oh, I bet she is. (laughs) Damn straight. Uh, Spock's like, how did you know there'd be passengers? And he's like, "Mm, I'm the captain. So I think that this is written by Gene Alcoon. Why? Because Gene Alcoon was apparently known for writing really warm and sort of like jaunty interactions between old friends. Okay. And Roddenberry was not fucking about that. He's like, these are brooding <laughs> military men. They're not They chummy. brood. They brood. All they do is brood the horror, and want to fuck the their ship. Like, and again, um, the the juxtaposition of this, like this seduction happening with the right? background of a Hitler murderer trying to get right? that solved. It was just like we're really going here. Like on this, like wow, this episode is the the track we're covering is crazy right now. And again, we still don't know the level of flirtation. I couldn't because, believe like, it. Yeah, because Kirk really hasn't given away what he's planning to do no. in terms of investigation or anything. So at this point, yeah. So, but who appears on the bridge? Um, but Lenore in like a rug, like a fuzzy rug yes, wrapped around was, her that goes barely past her ass. It was the most flowy of fabrics. In the front with those same tights. And apparently uh, she walks around very stiffly around the bridge like a Shakespearean actress. Why? So the fucking dress wouldn't fall off. Oh, I bet. It, it, she she looked like one of it, it played off well because it was very much like. Oh, as you said, posts are nice, and because if I if I move, it'll get wrinkled and everything. But I also looked at it. And I'm like, oh, this is the thinnest material. Like she's probably also just like holding it up because otherwise yeah. it's gonna look frumpy or bad, or it's just gonna like yep. be, like apparently fall off, which is not again something Yo. I considered at the moment. But of course, <laughs> yup. Um. So they're flirting up a storm. Her and the captain. She's, like, on the fucking thing. Like, Spock is looking at them, like, why is there flirting happening yeah. on the bridge of our ship? It was, he, like, he identified it quite correctly, that it was uncharacteristically yeah of Jim. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is so interesting, because later we we think of Jim as just, like, a horn dog. Mm-hmm. Doing horn dog things all the time. But, like, it is uncharacteristic of him to bring it to work in this way. Um <laughs> on the fucking bridge um so she's like oh well what if we trade uh a performance some performances for transport and he's all oh i like it would be awful of me to deny the ship to your company um 
And as she leaves, Janice Rand pops out of the elevator, kind of looks at her and gives her a look like she's trying not to notice the fact that, that she's there. Um, and then has has the captain sign something. And this is the last thing that she filmed for Star Trek. She said she felt humiliated and sad. She was supposed to have multiple like scenes in this episode, but they lost it during filming. Like, not lost it, but they, they didn't have time for a number of them. And her part just kept getting cut down. Oh, so um, anticlimactic. Yeah, and it's really sad. Uh, Roddenberry was intent on having her in this episode. From the beginning, Justman was like, we don't need her in this episode. Do you know how much money we have to pay for every fucking thing in this show? Are you kidding me? The money? And we don't need this woman here that we have to pay her because she's like a regular? Um... So he already was like, we don't need her in this episode from the perspective. And he always maintained that the reason that she was no longer in the show is because of series and story concerns. Yeah. Not at all due to her performance as an actress um, or or off time or anything. Uh, Ron Berry really wanted her there because he wanted to play up that sexual tension. He thought that that was just integral, that woman's intuition that these two women would have, that, you know, they were both going after the same man. And, like, it's fucking boring, to be perfectly honest. It is. And also, it's it, you you want them to be, like, brooding and sexless in most regards, but then also have, like, a will-they-won't-they they with one of your yeah. people. Like, it's, it's yeah, there there is a little bit of a pick-a-lane aspect to it, but mm-hmm. at the same point, I do like the contrasting because humans are contradictory people like we do have two sides to things so i also believe that in this moment these things could happen because he could just be you know totally enthralled with this person or again playing every single one of them and is luring them into here you know the fact that he's like let's get him on the ship it's like oh of course the best hostages are the ones that willingly walk into you know your arms like oh boy yup um so Spock's like, you know, going to Benicia is going to take us like pretty far, of course. And Kirk's like, shut up, follow orders. Again, this is like so uncharacteristic of Kirk. And Spock's like, hmm, when was the last time I heard just follow orders? When I stole the Enterprise last week. Huh. 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 So um, Kirk goes back to a computer on the bridge. Yeah. Because he's just like, investigations need to happen whenever they need to happen, whenever inspiration strikes. And I just got to hope that none of my coworkers are watching me do this, just, which they I'm are. Just doing casual captain's work. Do, 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 do. <laughs> click, click, click. This, this button's the, the one for murders, right? Oh, I mean, for. Uh, da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. And he's like, give me information on the living survivors of Kodos's terror. And the list is about seven people. That's right. There's only about like seven to nine humans who have seen Kodos and are still alive. Um, And that's himself, Leighton, Kevin Riley. That's right. 
I never fear O'Reilly's here. He wants you to have a double portion of ice cream on I this beautiful naked time night. couldn't believe when they revealed that part of the information as well. I was just like, oh my god. So there are two people on here who witnessed it. Mm -hmm. What a twist. on the ship. One is Lieutenant Riley. Uh, and that's fucking amazing. He got paid double what, like people in his position which was essentially an like his resume was not long at that point yeah. uh and he was like a young like earlier actor he got paid six hundred dollars people usually get paid three hundred dollars and that was because he was also tied up in an abc pilot that they were thinking of putting him in and this pilot was called dilby and it never aired. I was just going to say the way the they fact talked that we about don't talk it, about how much yeah. we love about Dilby. And oh, wasn't that Dilby so dill? Yeah. But Riley actually like stopped acting oh. after this. Pretty much. Not for any reason. Like it just sort of petered out. And he uh, got, he started teaching. He got a degree in um, ontology. Oh. And he taught that in Minnesota. What is ontology? It is uh like one of those studies of learning sort of thing oh god i had his thing up like um, the the research of education and how how people learn things yeah and he he taught communications that makes um, sense he was a professor of communications here we go ontologist <laughs> he was a professor of communication studies at saint cloud state university in minnesota um specifically the ontological approach to education um yeah. And he, he died in 2015. Immediately, Kirk is like, all right, Riley, transfer him back to engineering right away. And that was also weird. Spock is like, excuse me, like, he's a fine young officer. Like, he's going to see this as a disciplinary action. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you I want me to tell him? It, it is one of those things, too, where, you know, it, it's not as if this happens willy-nilly. Like, it's never been established that people just get reassigned, like, yeah. oh, on, you know, just like, hey, let's rotate them out and see what happens. So, yeah, that even, like, the previous episodes of Star Trek were you in that this is a weird thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but Kirk is like, just fucking do it. Another thing for Spock to be like, this is uncharacteristic. Yeah. It's very illogical. This is weird. Um, so based on the respective ages of the actors, um, Kodos was 35 years old when he was executed. Um, James Kirk would have been 15 years old. Okay. Uh, Riley would have been five years old and Lenore would have been in wound. Uh, so like probably about to pop out. Okay. Um, Fucking suspicious. Spock goes straight to McCoy. That's right. His BFF. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love the, the 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 friendship thruple that the three yeah. of them have, where they're always the first one to go to for if any single one of them has an issue, they just pick the one that's not the one they have an issue with. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Um, so he's like, what is your opinion on Kirk's uncharacteristic behavior? Uh, McCoy's like, I have no opinion. Would you like some Saurian brandy? That's right, the Saurian brandy is back. Uh, Spock's like, mm, Vulcans aren't affected by alcohol. And McCoy's like, oh, now I know why they were conquered. What? 
Be- uh, what? They were conquered? Like, what? Is the implication that all of our, uh, all soldiers are just, like, drunk up raged maniacs yeah (laughs) the army runs on beer booze like (laughs) i don't know what the fuck that joke was i was like is it like an old west joke but it's actually now i know why they weren't conquered because it's racist no like i don't west stuff but he's definitely said now i know why they were conquered yeah it was very funny but mccoy's like look I think that Kirk just wants to get it on with this 19-year-old. And it's fine. And Spock's like, no, he doesn't want to fuck a 19-year-old. He wants to play chess with me. Ah. And it 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 is just funny how that represents the two different angles that basically you can take it from. We have the logic side and the, the, the horny side. Because McCoy yeah. always falls in love with someone sooner or later. Uh, on these tracks because he's just a, a lonely boy and he mm-hmm. understands like hey sometimes you just want to get your dick wet and like it happens yeah. and it's it an actress happens. like of course you want to like mm-hmm. let alone you're old 19 so fucking meanwhile kirk is on a little date that's right with lenore on the ship's observation deck uh She's in this big green marbled dress with like pink it's so on the inside. Missing. That and was one of the ones that I just like fuzzy sleeves. I couldn't believe it. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Like elf sleeves, like bell sleeves yeah. that go to the fucking floor of an outlined in, in and, bright. And that was boa that was right after Martha Layton had like a blue and green yeah. dress as well. That I was like, oh, this yeah. is like so me. And I'm like, and this one's even I'm like, how is this mm-hmm. this episode of twofer? Right? Right? Um, so Kirk is like, oh, yeah, no, I did order soft lights, and I would have gotten us chocolates and flowers if I could. She's like, oh, Starlight, stop right. This ship, all this power surging, throbbing, but under control. Are you like that, Captain? And we know previously that the ship is his wife, so he brought he brought his side piece into her yep. bedroom and her observation quarters. Like speaking the of side pieces, this was supposed to be where Janice Rand came in again. Oh, she was supposed to come in and have him sign something right after this line, which would then cause Lenore to be all like, "Oh, she's pretty and she clearly likes you. You don't know about women." Uh, by the way. Uh, are the women on this ship, have they been changed into machines? Are they still women or are they just people? And it's like, what? I, <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, excuse me? Again, comments like this that got thrown in here. I'm like, okay, so is this an implication that at some places there is just cyborg technology where people literally become computers or is she just talking about people who are programmed into their jobs and are just cogs in the machine and don't have arts like she's such a, like is she like literally like so is your society suffered from late stage capitalism or are y'all like chill like we are with like you know emotions and like- stuff Oh, these women do mechanical jobs and or work with computers. Do they still fuck? It is so funny. Again, like, that they just <laughs> slipped this past the censors just was making me howl. Just fucking wild. Um, so he is 
she's all like, mm, oh, tell me about the women in your life. And he's like, a woman is always a woman. Uh, but by the way, a woman when is always start- a woman. We can't move past that yeah. again. When he said that, I'm like, okay, it, this is either like him playing up a front and it's like some sort of like double confession or like layered in or like, what is this? I couldn't believe that it right? someone wrote that and expected to go there. It, it, it again, what is this episode? What is happening? What? Yeah. No, he's like, oh, a woman's always a woman. Like the women here, they do the same jobs as men, but they're still women. By the way, like, to, like, when did you first start acting? Like, what year was that? And she's like, oh, in the beginning. And he's like, oh, I bet you were excited when you first saw your father act. When about did he start acting? Nineteen years, eighteen, maybe twenty. Uh, but she she is artfully getting around this. She's just like meh, heh, heh, women, meh, heh, heh, technology, and then they kiss. Well, and we have to play the fact that she pulled the "I'll answer one of your questions if I get to ask a oh, question" yeah. deal. So that's also why the back and forth of why yeah. she's able to just like disrupt this, you know, the the flow of his conversation of his sextification. Yeah. Because yeah. she just is like, okay, yeah, literally like, so what are the women like? So did you notice anything about her and her face during this scene? It looked, I don't know. It's, there was a couple of scenes where her makeup looked a little cakey, but that might have just been mm-hmm. like what like they were going for actress makeup at the time, but I don't distinctly remember any changes in, in this one. That's very interesting. Uh, you were probably noticing where they were covering up a fever blister. <gasps> On her lips during filming that developed. Um, She talked a lot about how much she loved Finnerman, the cinematographer, because he lit her eyes uh, to take the so that you're looking up instead of at her lip and keeping that part of her lip very specifically in shadow during the shots, which. Once you know that, you can really see that, like, that part of her lip is very specifically in shadow. Um, But it's very funny. She's like, yeah, like, nowadays, you know, they're not going to be as forgiving, like, with the lighting. Like, Mm -hmm. they'll light it for the scene. They don't give a fuck. But Finnerman, like, did me a solid. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, So that that was was pretty fun. Um, But Spock is following up on Kirk's research. He sees the thread, and boy, is he going to pull it. He's like, hey, computer, give me details. Give me the Venn diagram of when Kirk, Riley, and Kodos were together. Like, tell me tell me about any situation with, or I think it was Kirk, Riley, and uh, his, his buddy. Oh, yes, uh, Dr. Layton. Layton. Dr. Layton were together. And inside the middle of that Venn diagram... That's right. It's Kodos. Mm-hmm. Kodos, the executioner. Um, so Spock then goes to McCoy and he's like, hey, have you ever heard about Kodos on Tarsus 4? And McCoy's like, yes, I have. And so Spock is like, great. I'm so glad you already know this story because I'm going to tell it to you. Uh, on Tarsus 4, Kodos was the governor. The, the food supply was contaminated. Kodos declared martial law and began to separate 8,000 colonists into two groups. One group received whatever food is left and the others starved uh, and were killed. They died quickly without pain, but they died. 
which is fucking fucked and was mm-hmm. based on Kodos's particular brands of eugenics. Families were destroyed. Parents and children were separated. Um, Spock then reveals, and furthermore, Anton Caridian's records, uh, they begin as soon as Kodos the Executioner's end. Nine eyewitnesses had seen Kodos from the time of the massacres, and now Kirk and Riley are the only two left alive. I, again, a trope I love is all the witnesses to the murder are getting slow, or the, or the identity of the murder are slowly getting killed off, and especially mm-hmm. ones where we realize it's happened off screen. It's already yeah. happened, so we're toward the end of yeah. the line. Like, we are at the final yeah. stages of There's this only... person succeeding. Two left, and furthermore, every time one of the other seven died, those fucking actors were in town. Oh, oh, what's this? Uh Uh-oh, actors are terrible people. Again, this is only proving things that are true, that are true to real life. Mm -hmm. Yep, actors, murderers, all of them. The lot, the lot. So meanwhile, Riley's working in engineering, and he's whining. He's lonely. He doesn't know why the fuck they sent him down there. He has a dinner of yellow, green, and red cubes and a big old glass of milk to wash them down with. You know, he's he's just not enjoying life. So he connects via the, like, raid inter-radio to the rec room. And he's like, mm, Uhura, can you sing me a song? My heart is lonely. Which I, when I realized, again, we're getting a full, yes. full number from Uhura. I was like, oh my God, this episode. So um, I've been watching, this is, is going to be a slight distraction, but it's actually a good time to bring up something that's a little parallel. I have gotten super, super into For All Mankind. I have been binging oh. that show, which is an alternate history of the space race um, during the Cold War, if the Russians had gotten to the moon just before um, the Apollo did, and the geopolitical and technological implications of that. So that's like really interesting, because that's one type of alt sci-fi that I'm really into, which is just alternate history. Mm-hmm. Like, especially Cold War stuff, I'm just like, oh yes, what could have happened? Like, it's great. Instead of uh, Gary Hart being on a boat having an affair, they caught President Ken Taddy doing it, and I'm like, ha I know what this, I know these references, I know what this layering. Dean Roddenberry was like, you know, I think Uhura should sing in this episode. I think that Nichelle Nichols has a really great voice, and I want to get her more singing in this show. Um, I think that it's partially because, you know, they had an affair, like, yeah. formerly. Um, but I think that it's also that he really liked her fucking voice because she had an inc- she was an incredible singer. And it brings a lot to the episodes. And she wanted to sing. And you, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's nice just to keep your great, great actress well, happy. Well, and considering as we established that she was at, brought on after being on a yes. European tour of her singing career. Exactly. That this almost also seems like let's throw us a bone uh, or throw her a bone and let her get some of her mm-hmm. singing on here because that's what we prevented her from doing by asking her to come on here. Exactly. And so uh, Ron Barry told Barry Trivers this and the script goes through and through and through. And eventually Justman is reading like one of the later renditions of the script. It's already like going through the Gene L. Coon stuff. And he's like, hmm, you know, the part where Ron Barry said he wants a song, you know, it's here in this script. 
she sings. Do, do you Can someone a write song? a song? Like anything? <laughs> a, you know, a little ditty? Uh, somebody once told me anything. Yeah, yeah. So Gene Alcoon wrote the lyrics to this. And then it was uh, composed by the music department. Um, we had they had uh, Lorindo Almedia and a full accompaniment. But yeah, the the lyrics were written by Gene Alcoon. The skies are green and glowing where my heart is, where the scented lunar flower is growing, somewhere beyond the stars, beyond Antares. Uh, Brilliant. And that song is has been stuck in my head for two fucking weeks. The skies are green. And it's not like that good of a song, to be real, because mm-hmm. they put, have to put it together in like a day. But I fucking love well, it. Well, and it, uh, it weirdly is a piece of lore about the planet Atarian where these actors are from. So it is a weird, strange yeah. way of he just like added that in there being like, oh, what am I, what are we filming on this planet? There, there we go. Let's get that name in there again. Exactly. Um, so as she is singing this beautiful song about longing and love, um, we see in like a rubber glove, like come in the side with a spray bottle and spray something into Lieutenant Riley's milk. Dun, dun, <gasps> dun. Then he takes a sip and starts becoming violently ill. Thankfully, Uhura has finished her song at that moment and has skipped over to the to the radio and was like, how do you like my song, Riley? He's choking to death. He is screaming for help. They all hear, you know, him. And I was ready for him to die. I was 100% ready being like body count, adding another, it's 4,003 deaths, you know, we're going to be having on here. Yes. We cut to Riley is in sick bay. Dr. McCoy is working to save him saying, you know, I hope he pulls through. And Spock tells McCoy, someone is trying to kill Riley. Tests, however, have consu- said that he consumed uh, tetralubasol, which is a milky substance. So someone could have made a mistake. This is McCoy's like, oh, someone could have fucked up and put a milky substance in the milk? Again, the human what? side of it being like, well, there could be another reason for this. <laughs> like, I don't know. But McCoy's not been, has McCoy been let in at any point on this that he thinks it's the mass murderer? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, Spock is told him that he thinks that's the case. And McCoy's like, we don't know. But Spock tells McCoy, someone is trying to kill Riley and someone is going to try and kill Kirk. And we cut to commercial. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Which was Gene Roddenberry being like, we got to make this cut to commercial real intense so people come back. Did they? No. They watched Bewitched. (laughs) Um. (laughs) <laughs> but like I mean the, the ratings were still pretty good but a lot of them went to Bewitched the two go uh, to Kirk's cabin and outside his door is the most psychedelic lighting that has ever been on the fucking show they open the door and on the hallway outside it is like lime green and orange and blue like bright pinks it like was, it's wild it was like they just took every single color gel they had and just threw it into a different light and just said go for it just but like just outside his room and then the door closes you don't see it anymore yep. until it opens again it's like what is happening what experiments <laughs> so are going on that. in that room that would require that many different colors fucking right um 
So is it Lieutenant Tim? Uh, oh God, I forgot the guy, the name of the guy who made LSD, Tim Leary, something like that. Yeah, Leary. Leary. Yeah, Tim Leary. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so Kirk is like, "How is Riley? Is he going to survive?" And Spock says, "Your chances of survival and Lieutenant Riley's are the same." Dun dun dun. He's like, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna be murdered. Uh, I have been checking up on the Kodos, the executioner situation. You thought you were so smooth. You thought you were so slick, mm. Captain Kirk. Well, you can't hide anything from your Vulcan first officer. Um, Kirk is like, I don't like you meddling in my private affairs. And Spock is like, I stole the ship last week. <laughs> uh, I, I love the fact that he's like, hey, don't get your logical brain into my murder investigation. Like, you'd be the <laughs> one person you would want to bring on to help parse your evidence. Fucking right. Uh, it's, been a while. it's because he was going to tell him it logically not to try and sleep with the girl. So he wanted he needed the plausible deniability yeah. in case he got some. Just in case. Um, McCoy stands up for Spock uncharacteristically in this moment. He's like, Spock's just doing his job. Um, Like when Spock stole the Enterprise last week. Um, (laughs) But Kirk is like, no, I I just needed to find out if Caridian was Kodos. I am interested in justice, not in revenge. And I'm not sure. I'm like Hamlet. I just don't know if it's Kodos or not. And I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just obsessed. Um, Spock is like, oh, but it is Kodos, though. Yeah, so he just you drops that. He's like, no, it, it absolutely is. Like, what are you worried about? Like, all evidence points toward it. Like, if this was a criminal court, like, it would be, you know, open and shut case. Mm-hmm. Kirk's like, <laughs> logic is not enough. I have to feel my way in and make absolutely sure. I'm like, I don't know if that is how you find things out for fact kirk this is i I texted you this is the the episode that i spent the most time yelling at my screen things and at that moment when he said i need to fill things out i'm like yeah you do you know who you're gonna feel out like kirk you hound dog i just everything everything he does can be a double layer for for trying to seduce her i it just was amazing um so we cut to see the enterprise in space before cutting right back to kirk's quarters where kirk and spock are there why'd that happen uh because there was supposed to be a scene uh, between lenore and caridian oh right here that was never shot because they ran out of time but they couldn't quickly film a scene with janice rand nope 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 uh so kirk and spock are in the same fucking place, but McCoy's gone now. They're still discussing. He's like, logic is a good idea when you're doing investigations. And Kirk's like, I don't know about that. When suddenly they hear the sound of a phaser. <gasps> it's heat. It's overheating. They're like, oh, fuck. Double red alert. We got to find this fucking phaser because we're going to get blown to bits. A, Finally, which is find a, it. a concept introduced in the last episode via the seed where we had phaser overloads as true. a concept. So they've introduced in last episode so that's that we true. know this week what that's going to be. I, I loved our old friend Soundy, the little, the little squealy. Yeah. <laughs> squealy, the squeal. Like, oh, 
just this like going in like i'm annoyed by the this. oh no squeal I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed by this because i'm supposed to be but also <laughs> keep going up let's see how high this 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 little modulator goes so they're looking for this phaser. Finally, Kirk sees it behind the red alert light. Yeah, brilliant place he sees to hide the it. Silhouette. Brilliant. Brilliant place. He's able to grab it, run outside, and throw it into a trash. <laughs> yes! Boot, I, I suppose when he grabbed it, this could turn off. And then he's like, oh no, I can't do anything with it. And he turned quickly and just opened like a trash compactor. Just looked like where you <laughs> deposit, like in, in a place like where you, yeah. where you deposit mail or like those old pneumatic tubes. And just had, but it had something on there. Like, I can't remember what it said, but it essentially said, like, oh, you can blow up things in here. <laughs> it was just like, oh, yeah. it's a good thing we have a convenient explosive tube where we can put anything that might. I just, and they wait. And then there's like one, two, three, and it goes, oh, and it goes off and they're yep. shaking. But he's, because even as he's running out, he's being like, oh my God, we got to alert everyone. If, if this thing goes off, it's going to take out everyone in this, in this entire yeah. level. Like, holy yeah. shit. The whole deck. It, so, it's just the moment again in an old story where all of a sudden someone has this like an old timey bomb with like a fuse and and Sid, they'd be sitting there, I hear a fuse going off. Oh my God, we hear the fuse. Like, Missy, you have no fucking idea. It. Literally Barry Trivers, that was the original Oh my scene. God. There was course. a bomb in the room oh. that would destroy the whole ship oh my God. if it goes off. Because she wants to kill everyone now for some reason. Who knows who? Ca- who then who knows Captain who Kirk, Kirk told, runs. Like I get it through the ship. He runs through the corridor with the bomb, yelling, "Fire in the hold!" I know what that's like. So that's not. So you've heard this before. Fire in the hold. It's fire in the hold. Fire in the hold. Wait, really? Yes. Justman had to correct that. He's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I've never heard. He's this. running it's not around. Fire in the hole. It's fire in the hold. What's the hold? Fire in the hold. What's a hold? The, the uh, a place. Uh, I'm like, isn't it on ships? They say like fire. Is it like the hold, like where they're all the guns are stored? I literally always thought it was. Oh, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Okay. Oh, he wrote fire in the hold, and he's like, it's fire in the yes. hole. Oh God. Okay. I thought I had like a years long Mandela effect hitting me where I'm like, I've never yes. heard it not be fire in the hole. Is every single person saying it wrong? No, no, no. It is fire in the hole. Okay. He said fire in the hole. That is so funny. And he's like, oh my God, that is incorrect. And I am angry about it because I am Bob Justman. Uh, so this was just an ill-conceived scene yeah. that they were able to like fix to a degree. I like the escalation of but, it because again we've but. had like we've had uh, here's great thing multiple methods of murder. It's not a serial murder. We get yes. a stabbing. We get yeah. a poison. We get a fucking yep. bomb. Like this person is just yep. doing anything so you don't know as an audience member like well anything could be a murder weapon like i i literally yeah. don't know what to expect coming next because we've just like established it could be anything it could be anything uh but now is when we finally get the confrontation kirk marches right right to coridian's room mm-hmm. who is just brooding in his cabin in a really ugly green robe that looks like it's like the fur that they use to make the Grinch. Oh my God. Um, Oh my God. I didn't think about it, but it is. Dark green. Uh, So he basically walks in and Kirk's like, Hey there. um, 
so isn't it really interesting how people have tried to kill me a few mm-hmm. times and tried to kill Riley uh, and also killed uh, my my friend uh, from the planet Layton? Yeah, a, lot, a lot of um, murder attempts around these parts lately, ain't there? Ain't there? And Kodos is like, yeah, that's fucking weird and he's like so caridian um are you kodos just right to it straight to it he's like i think i might have figured this out it's taken me like 40 minutes to get it together but i think i have a little suspicion for you Mm. are you kodos and i thought that was badass shit i was just like fuck yeah kirk um and he goes and caridian goes do you believe that i am then I am Kodos, if it pleases you to believe that I am. Sus fuck, sus shit. I, that is so fucking this sus. This is when I sat there and went, this is again, my brain goes through all the tropes, and I'm like, oh, please be a twin. Please, it would be a great reveal this was a twin. And he's like, always oh, had to have his brother's like sins following him around, so that's like he became an actor. I'm like, it can be either, oh, it could be either of them right now. I'm still living in this, this nether mystery space where who is this person? Mm-hmm. He says, I have played many parts. Mm-hmm. And Kirk's like, well, what part did you play 20 years ago? Hmm? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I was much younger. Sus is fuck! Oh, now I'm back to, oh, Sus. no, it is this dude. There's no twin. It's this dude. It's All the old man confession. Sus as fuck. And Cap- Kirk's like, all right, I have a thing I want you to read out for the computer, and we're going to do a vocal analysis because we have a recording of Kodos. Uh, sentencing a bunch of people to execution and I needed to read these words um, so fucking Kodos like reads them and it's it's horrifying it's just like you're continued you have been deemed to be you know unworthy uh, your continued existence is causing the death of other people and so you've been sentenced to death and he basically like looks at the paper and then does the rest of it without even reading it Kirk's like, excuse me? And with the delivery you... of, of reading off Shakespeare, it was like haunting. Yes. He, that moment in the end, he like, it's not that he gets into it, but as you said, he knows, they point out that he knows the words. So there's just a familiarity yeah. of like, these roll off your tongue too well for someone who claims to not know whether or not he is this person. Mm-hmm. And this guy, uh, Moss is his last name, the actor. Um, he looks like a Roman statue. This man looks like he was carved. Like, he looks like Octavius fucking Caesar. Oh, yeah. Um, Chiseled face. Yeah. And he played King Lear. Like, he oh, is a Shakespearean actor. Makes sense. Yeah. And also played um, a number of non-white people. Oh, no. I guess because he looks Italian okay. enough that they just gave him a bunch of those roles. Yeah. Despite being the most Roman-looking motherfucker I've ever seen. Uh, like this man is white. Third, like he's not even like Mediterranean. Looking. Third generation like, he, Brooklyn he native. <laughs> yes. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Kirk's like, um, you didn't even look at that paper, and and uh, Caridian's like, I learned my lines super fast. Hey, Missy. Yeah. Is it is it possible to learn your lines that fast? I cannot speak for most people. 
Uh, I know there are some people who do have photographic memories and can learn that fast. But for me, no, it is not that fast for me to do it. I can do a cold reading well, but if I was reading off a execution summary, I don't know that I would have it, again, be so so trippingly uh, off my tongue in that regard. No, I don't think I would have that memorized that fast. Uh, so Caridian it starts just getting even more sus. He's like, you know, what's interesting about your Kodos? Um, he might have gone down in history as a great hero if that ship hadn't arrived. You know, just based on what you just said to me, he, he might have been a hero. What? What? Now you're in a polit Like, even if that wasn't you, history is like, no. History has spoken and it does not see Kodos as a hero. Um... And he's like, he killed a bunch of people without mercy. And Caridian's like, you have a weird definition of mercy. Ooh, you do, Kirk. Mm -hmm. You're the one who's weird about it. And you're you're the perfect technological man. And you've done away with all of your humanity. What? It's such a, like, not me, you. It is the most projection from, like, a confession. Like, it is is that level of, of just saying putting onto your enemies what you have done to yourself and like this cold calculated guy just casually being like well i guess we're gonna have to kill four thousand of them is like the most inhuman yeah. thing you can do so he's just talking about himself mm-hmm. yeah straight up um he's all like let bloody vengeance take its course and see what difference it makes to your precious universe i love the melodrama there is such intense melodrama. It is all so Shakespearean, even the parts that aren't Shakespeare. Oh, I was just about to say, it, it is, this is like their take on, on Shakespeare, and it, and it has all the ethos yeah. of it, even even with the, the upcoming tragedy. Like, oh, all these plays have to end with, you know, going for the throne and all the negotiations, and there's always just like some familial tragedy that happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was like, I no longer treasure life. I'm tired. Oh, he wails the past that. Is a blade. That delivery of I'm tired yeah. was like horrific because it truly yeah. is like a person who's weighed with his sense. And he's and he also basically says, like, uh, he's been trying to say that he's like repented fr- like from it and he feels bad and that he like he but then like when Kirk keeps pushing him, he's finally like, Look, I just made the decisions that I had to. He's just like all of a sudden does a yes. one eighty and he's like, Fine, like, okay. Like if you want me to be him, like your Kodos yeah. just made the decisions he had to make and you don't have any humanity. Did you get everything that you wanted here today, Kirk? And Kirk's like, if I had, then you wouldn't be walking out of here. Yeah, so. You would not be alive right now, so <laughs> oh my god uh which is f- just fucking king shit. which i do you uh, know what I, I probably harks back to a lot of the attitudes about the nuremberg trials where it's just like why didn't they just kill yes. these fuckers why what's with the trial yeah. like just execute them already like what and it's like because we need to establish in the world all these things that they did and that's you know what the justice system is about is to put on mm-hmm. trial to put in front of everyone what mm-hmm. is the the evidence that's been laid out against these people and the in the kinds of things that he's saying as well, like, oh, like he could have been a hero, and like this person sounds like he was just following orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, you've done away with your humanity, the striving of man to achieve greatness through his own resources. 
uh, we've armed man with tools. The striving for greatness continues. But Kodos, Kodos, whoever he was, or is, can you tell who's Kirk and who's yeah. Kodos? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, it's just wild. He's basically like... So then Lenore comes out of the shadows. And she's like, there's a stain of cruelty on your shining armor, Captain. And he's like... Um, she scolds him. She's like, you used me to get close to my father, which is true. Yes. You used me like a tool. Also true. And he's like, well, at first, but then later. What the fuck, Kirk? Also, she's 19. I like, you know, I did like like you, but I was also playing. I mean, again, another murder trip I love, which is the person sent to seduce someone to keep a plan going, but then ends up falling for that person and lies yeah. in that 50-50 of being like, well, yes, I did play you, but also I do love you. And like her flipping that around yeah, and being like, you. oh, you, the, the investigator, you're the one that did that to me. And like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so she sends him off to rest um and it's just like you know what captain you are like your ship powerful not human there's no mercy in you again fucking wild he's just like look if that guy's kodos he's been shown more mercy than he deserves look I killed people 20 years ago, 4,000. I'm 4,000 in the universe of how many? And, like, I haven't mm -hmm. murdered a single person since. So, like, the diluting yeah. average of murders per year, it just keeps going down and down and down. Yeah. So, like, you know. So down. So down. Uh, he says, if this, if he's not Kodos, I'll let you all go at the spaceport at Benicia. No harm done. She's all, who are you to say what harm has been done? And he's like, who do I have to be? Yeah. Which I thought was, like, such a great exchange and so cold. Because mm -hmm. it's both, like, who does a person have to be to say that something like that is is beyond measure evil? One. Two, it's kind of like throwing Anton Caridian's own words back at him. Where he's like, well, maybe I am Kodos if it pleases you. Like, I'll play whatever role you want. And he's like, well, then who the fuck do I have to be? To accuse you of yeah. this, then to have justice, then. Um, so I thought that was badass. In the sick bay, McCoy is talking to a computer, stating, for the record, that Riley had fully recovered, uh, but he's being kept in the hospital so that he doesn't accidentally run into Anton Caridian. Because the captain thinks that's Kodos the executioner who killed Riley's whole family. And he's going to go Jack uh, Ruby and just shoot him. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, Riley doesn't hear this. Oh, wait, no, he totally yeah. does. Because he's just walking around <laughs> behind do, do, the do, 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 do. Perfect timing do, to be do, like, oh, do, no, do, I haven't heard this. Well, guess I know what I got to do. Jack Ruby time. Do, 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 do. So <laughs> he sneaks out. Uh, in the ship's theater, Caridian's players start to perform. As Kirk and Spock look at the comparison yeah. <laughs> between Kree's and Kodos's, they haven't canceled the show yet. Like they're still just gonna keep it going. Yeah. Like they haven't. Oh, it might be mass murder. They haven't announced. Uh, the player is gonna be delayed. It's like no, 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 no. We'll let them go on. We'll let them go on. And Sick Bay McCoy is all in the history of medicine. No doctor has ever made the first few minutes of a play. Like ha 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 ha. Um, but that's when he realizes Lieutenant Riley is gone. And he immediately, like, calls Kirk. 
who talks to security and he's like, hey, um, so someone has broken into the weapons locker on H deck. Uh, and he's like, oh, no. It, I, Oh. Again, what like in a murder mystery might be set up for a little bit longer of it. Are they? Will they want they just get right to the? Yeah. Oh, he sees it. Go to the gun. How do we know? Because we're told he yeah. has it. There's no we're question told. what he's doing. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so as they start to perform Hamlet with Caridian as Hamlet's father's ghost, the the being saying like "Go find justice," which I think is so fascinating. Uh, Riley skulks backstage with a phaser, and he's he's gonna shoot Caridian, which is pretty badass of him. But Kirk gets there first, and he's just like, "Hey, you don't want to do this. You don't know for sure." And Riley's all like, "He killed my father and my mother," um, which the actor says he's like, "I hate that line delivery. I sound super whiny." Aww. I mean, but <laughs> but I thought it was yeah. Good. He's I mean, he is upset. You you can't control how you sound when you're truly upset. And Riley's like, I know it's him. And Kirk is like, you might be wrong. And eventually. Kirk is still in this land of might being wrong. He just like can't like, he's like, I'm going to have to take this weight on my shoulders, apparently. Yeah. He bravely walks up to him. He basically walks in front of the phaser. He's like, this is an order. Like, go back to sick bay. And I think he's really nice about it. um, Honestly. Uh, But he gets the phaser from Riley. Sends it back to sick bay as the scene ends caridian goes backstage to speak to lenore and he's go he's losing it he says the voices of the past have come back and they're torturing me a role that i haven't played for 20 years is starting and i'm so bummed about it and she's like don't don't even worry about it that'll never return um because after this performance like i'll finish the last two people who saw kodos's reign of terror and he's wait, like, what, "What the fuck? You don't wait, know I'm Kodos? Huh? Wait, what? 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 Wait, wait, what? I can't believe. Like, I yes, this reveal when I was like, oh, it is her. She is the one that she, did it. Yeah, she just drops it so casually, and he's like, what? I wanted to keep you away from this, from this life. I didn't want you involved, and now you've, you know, you've murdered for me. Like you've, murdered. you've become me." And she's just like, all the ghosts are dead. I've buried them. There's no more blood on your hands. Which we do have to say, interject and, and quickly say, it is amazing that they, I mean, I, I'm sure it's layered in, but they picked two Shakespeare plays that have to do with ghosts yeah. haunting people literally within them. And they just layer that in. Yeah. I'm like, of course, of course, that's the setup of these two, like a mishmash. I love it. Mm-hmm. It is, it is fantastic. Um, he's just like, you've left me with nothing. You were the one thing in my life that had been pure and untainted by my past, which I felt like was a really weird narcissistic well, thing for this character. We're going to get into like, it. You've left me with nothing. Like you were a pure and untouched thing and I just get to keep you that way. And my evil doesn't, isn't going to bother this and I get to keep it. Like There is layers to this during this reveal, which... Freud would have a field day with. I, uh, uh, again, this is where it's ending and I'm still getting the most insane vibes from these people in reveals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just keep keep going and we must get to it. Mm -hmm. So uh, she's just like, don't you even worry about it because no one can stop me, not even Kirk. And because she sees Kirk 
walking up. He's heard everything. She's all, see, Caesar, come. He's awed by your greatness, your shining brightness, bright as a blade before it is stained with blood. And Kirk's just like, bright as a blade. The show is over. Caridian starts, he's like, I was just a soldier in a cause. I was just doing what needed to be done. Uh, you know, I was just out there being Kodos, trying to save people. That's what I was doing by all those murders. Um, and Lenore is as bad. She's, she's like, I would have done anything to protect my father. Seven is just the start. I would have killed a whole world to save him. And at this point, her delivery is with the weird level of seduction that yes. she had for Kirk. And I was like, Electra Complex! We get creepy vibes from her. Like, does she actually, is she yeah. in love with her dad that much? And it's like, she she's, seems obsessed. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, this isn't just like a calculated logical. This is true, psychotic, unhinged, detached from reality but i mean it's only so much in that fact that she is doing it like she's got she has successfully killed all these people yeah oh yeah um she has and it's fucking wild um she's just like all right well the show can be over when it's done you cannot deny the great caridian his last performance um and she steals kirk's phaser she gets it out of his hands and uh, says, he's like, you'll never get off this ship. She goes, it will become a floating tomb drifting through space with the soul of the great Caridian giving performances at every star he touches. Whoa. I, that line, I, 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 it was such a chilling, but like, beautifully haunting i'm like oh my uh -huh. god that's her thing she is so in love with his acting literally cannot yeah. like it's it, i'm like this is like mm -hmm. all about eve's sunset boulevard mixed into here right. now of just that level of obsession i i couldn't mm -hmm. couldn't believe how good it was i thought like okay this is tacked on at the end but i'm like oh no they have woven this entirely into here it's incredible yes um, so she says that and then says, Caesar, beware the Ides of March and fires the phaser at Kirk. But Caridian steps in front of her as soon as she does no! it. Kirk rushes over and disarms her because she is distracted by the fact that she just shot her father. Caridian slash Kodos, the executioner. She collapsed over him, screaming, crying. She's doing a good big Ophelia thing oh. with that, like, laughing, oh. crying. Father, oh, father, father, oh, proud death. What feast towards in thy eternal cell? Watch me. <laughs> I can Shakespeare. I can. Uh, she is a Shakespearean actress. She had been doing Shakespeare all through her teen years. Uh, and that is why she's yeah, good. Yeah, that's the same. Things. Makes sense. Um, yeah. That thou such a prince at a shot so bloodily hast struck the curtain. The curtain rises. It rises. There's no time to sleep. The play. The play's the thing. Wherein we'll catch the conscience of the king. It's the name of the episode. Titular title yeah. episode. And we, we zoom out. We also get a really great shot earlier when she's talking about 
the Great Caribbean where it's just on her eyes and there's like a star like reflection mm-hmm. in that. And you see the delusion Spooky. just like floating yes. in front of her vision. But oh my God, another trope I love. Accidental fratricide, or excuse me, accident accidental patricide like anytime it's like oh the murderer kills a relative or their loved one in an attempt to like murder others and then they're like oh what have i done what have i done but instead she's like oh it was all for him it was all for lovey daddy (laughs) like oh my god Later, uh, McCoy is like, yeah, she'll be given the best medical care. She's lost touch with reality and thinks that her father is still alive and performing. Woo. McCoy is like, Kirk, did you care for her? Like, did you really care for her? And Kirk just says, ship ahead, Mr. Leslie, warp factor one. Some questions are better left unanswered. Yes, his he uh, he 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 was thirsty for her. It's obvious. It's he so, was thirsty. so thirsty. So thirsty. Um Mr. Leslie, uh, who he mentions is one of the helmsmen, that's Eddie Paskey, who is William Shatner's stand-in. He was oh. William Shatner's stand-in through all of this. They've given him shirts and like had him in the background of a ton of episodes. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, but they just decided to give him a name. I was gonna say I've seen him in the credits before, and so I just assumed he was another, you know, background officer, but I didn't realize that he was also the stand-in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the conscience of the king. It got some of the lowest ratings of the first season because people thought it was too talky, too cerebral. I fucking loved oh, it. It was right and up my alley. It didn't alley. feature any monster or sci-fi gimmicks. So they didn't give it a repeat broadcast, but it's remembered as like a beloved episode um by a lot of people including um writers of future Star Trek series. Uh it it, it is such a well-written mystery and it is mm-hmm. I'm a, okay. I'm a sucker for any murder mystery. This has been established. My the barometer that I tell people is I I genuinely love the Snowman, even though it's a terrible film. I I comprehend that. I understand it. I will watch it anytime. I will put it on and just be like, not like I don't watch it all the time, but in the sense of if someone was like, "Hey, do you want to watch the Snowman?" I would be like instantly, "Yes, I'm down for it." Like, let's go into this crazy world because the just the atmosphere and seeing someone solve something is always fun to me. So that's why this it was it was fun to try and solve along. I get this from my my dad and my mom, but the guessing part I get from my mom. Very much trying to actively mm-hmm. figure out what's going on in in a crime situation is is part of that. Yeah, I absolutely love that in a in a TV show in a thing. Um and I really loved uh this I really loved how they used Shakespeare in this episode. I loved how all of the dialogue felt like really melodramatic and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. I just love it. And I love the the crazy bitch was behind it all. Yeah, it just <sighs> It really was a fun episode. This is a top shelf episode for me. I just loved playing along with it and letting the twist take me where it was, you know. Like, again, I idly thought at some point that she could have been the murderer. I wasn't, like, confident about it because I was just along for the ride and just trying to guess at every reveal, oh, is this him? Is it not him? Is someone else doing it? Is it what is, why are these specific people being targeted? Is it mistaken identity? Oh, no, they did mean to target Okay, you know, all of those just great reveals I love. I love 
another piece of the puzzle being solved and then also another like part being introduced like that's the part that i love is that exchange that comes when you're watching a murder mystery um in the earlier versions of this story um that particular holocaust occurred on earth oh no um, that it was a gang of marauders uh that that came to earth and that one of the first persons that they kill was kurt's dad interesting in the second version of it it happens on a colony uh where they still uh kill kirk's dad um where he's the governor of said colony um justman and Ronberry were like, mm, maybe not, because we don't want to have something that like ties down his background as much. That's interesting. Um, and it also seems a lot more like a personal revenge mission in that yeah. case, which like really uh gets in the way of his ability to command. You know, we want to be able to trust that Kirk has the ability to be a good commander, and running off that half cocked is like a lot. And it also requires him to be neutral because throughout this, the his whole thing is mm -hmm. that he still has a shadow of doubt, and it's that shadow of doubt that's mm -hmm. leaving him. That's leaving him like the juror in Twelve Angry Men. Like maybe he didn't do it, you know. But the difference is he did do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's just trying to be the voice of reason. You're right. Any sort of thing that we would have, like that's part of the that would tilt it. Part of the reason with the daughter that we're so like, oh, this is weird and wild because it does mm -hmm. tilt the balance a bit, and you don't know his motivation for part of the investigation but that's you know the femme fatale's role in these sort of things is to yeah. throw off our uh our uh hero detective our investigator whoever is is happening at that moment mm -hmm. um yeah that's so that's the conscience of the king missy do you have anything else you want to share about this episode? No, I just, this was thrilling to me. It was such a, I cannot describe the amount of serotonin that just flooded my brain after having just finished the social network, mm. uh, of which I will be talking with Alice tonight about uh, for Not a Hate Watch, that this was just the perfect balm for that. It had so much of what I like. It was well done. I love the Shakespearean elements and Easter eggs sort of sprinkled throughout, just having to had you know, had to study it in, uh, in college and stuff. And, and Shakespeare and Macbeth are probably up there for my one-two for the tragedies um, uh, within the, his oeuvre. Um, fo folio, that was the word I was looking for, his folio. But yeah, I, again, top tier episode. I, I have no complaints. I, I just was enjoying it throughout. It's, I didn't take many notes at all because I was mostly just like so enthralled by it from start to finish. Everyone did a great job acting. The sets were good. The design was good. The costumes, we already talked about it, were on fucking mm -hmm. believable and we get a song it just was like give it was it giveth unto me so much i was very happy I'm all's so well excited. that ends well on this one all's well that ends well uh missy next week we're going to be watching the balance of okay. terror that's right. Don't do you have any uh, idea of what the balance of terror no is going to be about? No clue. I'm going to guess balance of terror. I mean, my first, the first thing that springs to mind is maybe this is a creature feature episode, and like 
maybe they don't know if a threat exists or doesn't and that's sort of like the hinging of it now that i'm also thinking about it maybe it's like a cold war metaphor of like we're with some people that don't know if there's a threat or not so it's like their own worry is what the main conflict could be but that could be about anything so it's it's a very open-ended thing but i'm gonna land on this is a hunt for this is a trial of some sort in mm-hmm. which they don't know there's an actual threat and that is the balance of the okay. terror i like yeah. that i like that. or a creature feature okay. one, of the two. <laughs> one of the two perhaps the oh, boat who, who knows? knows who knows um yay thank you so much missy i am so excited to visit this one with you um i really like the balance of terror uh and I'm very excited. Thank you, Emily. I love I love that the episodes that you love more so, you and I have identified with, it's been very nice on this journey to sort of have, mm-hmm. like, similar regards in this, even though, but not be too samey in terms of, like, always being, oh, it's, mm-hmm. this is nice. Like, it's just this, like, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to take a journey with a, with a uh, partner through all of this. So thank you again for, for all your yeah. research and notes. And I actually have one last fact that i want to drop on you i saved a fun fact for the very end it's about a name the name of a planet i'm gonna ask you a question that you love to say missy do you know i'm gonna say emily do you know Uh what the significance of tarsus from tarsus 4 is oh tarsus not a new testament gal are you because oh, one no, of I'm the not. most famous figures in the New Testament and the Bible, author of many of the books within it, so quaint, uh, is Saul from Tarsus, who you might know as St. Paul, who had a revelation oh. along the road from God, which turned him from a sinner to change his ways and try to be on a path of good. So I don't know if the name Tarsus was picked it's a real it's a real city in in turkey uh is where it actually lies but yes i found that interesting that it's not a a complete one for one but that it has a person who turned from their sinful ways and tries to be good in the way that the king in the end is sort of pleading and they're asking for mercy because they have changed their ways Mm -hmm. and yet in this the human justice cannot forgive so interesting I love that. I almost let this episode end without that fun fact. I just happened to look <gasps> over and That's see it. That's such a so, good yeah, fun fact, though. I that, like, really enjoyed that. Because I kept going, Tarsus. Why do I know that name? Tarsus, Tarsus. Oh, of course. I heard it, like, so Yay! much growing up in my childhood. Uh, naturally. So, yeah. And with that, we can just say what we always say at the end of these episodes. What we say? Live long and Live prosper. Long and prosper. Booyah. Yeah. Bye-bye. Eat shit, Hercule Poirot. Shh. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, getting myself too excited. I started laughing at what I was gonna say. I haven't said it yet. Okay. I was so glad we. This was one of the first times we get to see Captain Kirk's sesti- sextivigation. Oh, in fact. Yes. Hi. Yes. Hi, Ooh. Yay. Mm-hmm. Looks good. Do you mind shutting the door? The windows open or the air is on. Ooh, pretty. It's a plant he made for his museum exhibit that he's doing. <gasps> that's so sick. Oh, like the fake museum exhibit. He's not going to an actual museum. It's he has a art, art so show cool. that's he's made a a fake museum exhibit for that's with so like cool. a mosaic and tapestries Ooh. and like 
Oh, um, yeah, you told me yeah, about yeah, yeah. it, about the civilization. Yes. Um, and so it's this funny. Friday. <gasps> oh, my God. The mosaic mm-hmm. is the one I'm most proud of because I shut my fingers so many times on sharp little ceramics. But... Yup. <gasps> oh my god, little Mycees! Mm-hmm. And I wanted it. Little Mycees. I wanted it to look oh. like it was like a really old mosaic, so I had I left some yes. spots blank, and I poured um plaster with uh plaster oh. of Paris with sand in it to kind of make it look like it was missing chunks of it. It is so good. Yeah, it looks so good. Oh my god! When I've been working, I it. It hurts. My fingers yeah. are all hurt and all busted. Those are <laughs> do you want to... small little pieces of ceramic. <laughs> well, I'll say, do you want to know how he made it? He just like hmm. broke apart plates. Yeah. And like chipped it down. It's amazing. Fuck yeah. Okay. Conscious of the king. I love that. Conscience of the king. 